0: Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of James Talks. Great to have you all here again. Um, just uh, some, just a few things before we get started. Um, a few weeks ago, I asked you about um, an ebook that I'm putting together because I've got my first print book coming out um, in the coming uh, in the next few months, and I want to do an ebook to go with it. Um, and the book's on grace, so I want to, I'd like, I'd, to, I'd like your stories on grace. Um, I'd like you to send me like a 750 word um, document with um, an experience of grace or something that you've been through which, um, uh, which has taught you about grace and send it to me. And the best ones I'm going to put together in an ebook and we're going to put up for sale on Amazon and that's going to be really cool. So, um, yeah, if you want to send those to me at uk, that would be absolutely awesome. And that'll be really exciting, and I look forward to reading all of those. So, yeah, here we go. Today we've got a special guest with us again, um, and it's Shane Blackshear, uh, the guy from the Seminary Seminary Dropout podcast, which is an absolutely awesome podcast, and one I absolutely love, and he's interviewed some amazing people. Um, um, I can't even remember, there's so many great people that he's interviewed, Rob Bell and uh, Sarah Bessie and... Um, and loads of other people, and uh, he's really great, and I'm looking forward to chatting with him. So welcome, Shane.
1: Oh, James, thanks so much for having me.
0: Fantastic. So yeah, Shane, just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a bit of your story.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So I and my family, we live here in Austin, Texas, in the U.S., and I, you know, my background, I was in vocational ministry for a while. I was a pastor of a church plant for about five years. And uh, and I got, felt a kind of release from that, got out of it, thought I was done with vocational ministry and um, and I, I guess until now I was um, as far as uh, you know getting a paycheck is concerned but after that <laughs> after not doing that for a while I thought felt a draw and so that's how I started um, my Blog, and then a few months after that, started this podcast. Not this podcast. Started my podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I interview um, Christian authors, leaders, thinkers, and uh, you know, basically the the qualifications are that they they are contributed something to Christian space, and I'm interested in them. So. Um, yeah, so it's been going about three years now and, uh, just really, I'm, I get to talk to people, uh, way, way above my pay grade and that's always fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. So, so what are kind of the events, the kind of main events of your life, which have really shaped your, your outlook on kind of faith and spirituality?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. Um, well, I was, I was raised in a Christian home, going to church, and so no matter no matter how much my faith evolves and has evolved and changed, I still got a great foundation that I could never—I don't think I'll ever leave behind—from mm. the faith that I had surrounding me growing up. Um, so that was obviously really formational. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, when I went to college, a little bit after college, when I was younger, a lot of the things that I had been taught growing up just didn't seem to fit anymore. Um, and when I was evaluating those with my adult brain, um, some things didn't hold up. So, you know, I had to start reevaluating some things. And I grew up in a really conservative brand of Christianity. And so, um... Women, we believed women couldn't be pastors or um, specific types of leaders in churches, and so um, started really reevaluating those things. I never gave up my commitment to um, to Christianity as told from the viewpoint of the Bible, um, but so even I started reevaluating those things, even through the lens of of Jesus and the Bible. Um, a lot of those things didn't hold up anymore, and so. A lot of my faith evolved that way. I'd say more recently, in the last five years or so, mm. um, a lot of my beliefs I thought just didn't have a home theologically anywhere. And then I kind of discovered uh, Anabaptism and Neo-Anabaptism, and read about that, and thought, "This is uh, this is where I am. This is I've found a, a theological home." And so that was that's been really transformational for for me as well.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So yeah, so that's interesting because like how you've shifted in in kind of your theological perspective from one place to another as you kind of uh, as you've matured over kind of and grown up. Because I know that's been my experience as well. Because ten years ago I was in a completely different place to where I am now, um, and it sounds like that's been your experience too.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And, and in a way, you know, it's that's the way it should be. I hope in 10 years from now, I'm in a little bit different place than I am now. And that's it's kind of what growth looks like. So, yeah.
0: Ah, oh, great. So, yeah. So you, uh, you you mentioned you've been a pastor and obviously your podcast is called Seminary Dropout um, as well. Um, so kind of what are your what's your kind of perspective on the role of the church and what, you know, what healthy church should be?
1: You know, to me, I have a a really high view of the church. I just think that um, we, you know, especially in America, James, we're really um, individualistic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, growing up in, in evangelicalism, a question that you ask yourself a lot or is asked of you is, what does God want from my life? And I think that we really we uproot Christianity from its roots when we ask questions like that. Um, because mm. they, you know, the time and place that Jesus came from, they were really community thinkers. Like people were called as a people group, uh, not so much individually. And, and so, you know, I think that that's
0: the same way. There's no, I, I think that the early
1: Christians, they would not understand Christianity outside of the church. Mm. That's just by definition is there are no solo Christians. Um, yeah. Now, we, you know, a lot of people would would come back and say, but, you know, the church has been responsible for so many horrible things, and there are self-righteous people there, and there are, um, you know, there's abuse and all that kind of stuff, and they're, they're, they're absolutely right. It, it has been. Um, and we need to, you know, we need to, uh, name that kind of, that, those kind of harmful behaviors and, and, um, you know, run away from those kind of things. But just the, the idea of being together with Christians, um, is not, there's nothing wrong about that. Um, that's not inherently bad. Um, and so, you know, you're dealing with imperfect people Mm. and we're dealing when we come together as believers, we're dealing with people who are at really different places in their spiritual walk. Yeah. And so there's, oh yeah, there's always going to be conflict, but I just don't know that there's any other way. I I just don't know that there's any other way besides the church, besides coming together. And that doesn't need to look like the same thing that church has always looked like, you know, and you people always say, you know, well, what if me and my friends get together on a regular basis and, you know, whatever, we share, we fellowship, we worship, we do those things, yeah. then why do I need church? And my question would be, well, that is church. Yeah. Doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. Then, then that's it. And people, you know, people have a problem with the word, you know, organized religion. Well, again, if you're getting together on a regular basis with your friends and praying and worshiping and that's there's some organization that's
0: yeah that's right that. that's church yeah
1: um so yeah you know a lot of people the critiques that they have to the church i do as well i do as well but i don't think it means we we throw the baby out with the bathwater.
0: absolutely i mean yeah i mean church is about i mean ultimately to, for me it's always been about community it's about people meeting together for fellowship and you know and um pastoral support and accountability and worship and all those kind of things. And kind of, there's that phrase, doing life, which kind of goes around a lot. But it's, that's kind of what it is. I mean, my church started as, the church I go to began as a church plant. Um, it was 12 people meeting in a house. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what it was. That was the church. You know, um, 18 years later, it's, it's grown completely. But um, but I still find, I mean, in my experience, my, I, I find that I'm doing church more when I go to my home group, for example, when there's like ten, fifteen of us, and we're all being vulnerable and being honest and praying together and being accountable to each other and all that kind of thing, and yeah, so um, yeah, I think that's I think that's really really important. And and that also, actually, what I found is the science, The science. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of um, Rob Bell talking about um, science and stuff, and a lot of the stuff he does, and um, you know, the science kind of. We were made. We were made to be in community. You know, human beings were made to. Life was made to be done in community, and ultimately, you know, so even on that level, we're meant to exist in community, and that's ultimately what church is.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think if you if you step, step back and even just look at natural creation, you kind of leave with the conclusion that we are better together.
0: Mm. Yeah, and the things that we fight over really aren't. You know, ultimately aren't that that important in the end are they so uh,
1: (laughs) yeah that's right
0: (laughs) so how like how um how have your ideas on on ministry like you know that jargon word ministry kind of evolved over the years because um you know having you know looked at your website and your story and stuff uh it it seems like your story your ideas on that have changed kind of changed over the years so uh, you know what's kind of your perspective on that
1: yeah definitely. I mean, I think that um you know there's a lot of a lot of parts of the United States that are really still entrenched in christendom um, plenty of places where people can go and be a pastor of a church and make a good living and be seen as a pillar of a community but that's that way of life is going away, and so I think we really need to think about other ways to, to do ministry and even to be pastors. Um, you know, so I, I hope what I do, I hope my blog and my podcast, um, I, I barely blog anymore. It's mostly the podcast, but I hope that those things are ministering to people. And in that way, I'm a minister in the way that all Christians should be ministers. I hope that I'm doing that. Um, and I think that we'll probably see more of that. I mean, it's a really non-traditional way to minister, right? I mean, podcasts and they, were, they weren't even around 15 years ago, or ba- barely. It was like internet radio then, right? Yeah, um,
0: that's right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but and even so, but even when we talk about like vocational ministry, I think we're going to see a lot more vocational pastors, or so. Excuse me, bivocational vocational pastors who. They really work at a part, a full time job doing something else, and then they're a pastor on the side. Mm. And I think good things are going to come from that, and churches are going to realize that they that pastors aren't their professional Christians, mm. but pastors are just one part of the church, and that mm. um, to, for a church to function, it needs the participation and the ownership of, of lay people as well. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, my view of what ministry is and even what vocational pastoring is has really expanded a lot
0: so yeah I mean yeah, it's a you know ministry I mean I always think we're all you know we're all ministers aren't we we're all it's it, it kind of I think a, there's been a tendency to kind of absolve responsibility off to like the paid pastor and the paid staff or the leadership team or whatever and say oh they're the ministers they're the ones that do all the important stuff when actually you know the call to be a Christian is basically a call to be to be a minister is to you know to rep Repre- say represent, but to be Jesus to people wherever we are and how we live, and that's being a minister, mm. isn't it? So,
1: yeah, that's absolutely right. That's a good, good point. Um, Frank Viola. I don't know if you know of him, but he's yeah. he's written a lot of good literature on that, and just the the role of a pastor in modern society is or modern Christianity is just like largely absent in the Bible. Um, we put mm. a lot of a lot of tasks, and a lot of roles in the job of a pastor that were really weren't ever meant to be there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Pastor can be a pastor often has to be like a social worker and a, um, yeah. <laughs> and a counselor and a, um, and a, and a teacher and a, a leader. And, um, then, you know, they have to be living the kind of life everyone wants, most to you have, have to be getting it all right you know, everything has to be going perfectly for them. Um, never making mistakes. You know, they're kind of put up on these pedestals and nobody can, nobody can, can match that. You know, I mean, nobody can win because we're all imperfect. you know, that's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you know, we only have so much energy. Um, everyone gets burnt out eventually. If you do too much, nobody can carry that kind of load on their own.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah interesting stuff um so okay um we're going, move, we're going to shift now to um talking about kind of your creative work and you know the podcast and to a certain extent the blog as, as well um like, i mean one of the issues that comes up a lot um in discussions i have about creativity nowadays is um authenticity and you know artistic integrity you know because there's a bit of there's a lot of um building stuff that goes on now and you know people so you know selling stuff about how you can build your platform and how to get following and all this kind of thing and um there can be a lot of pressure on people to kind of compromise their artistic integrity and their authenticity to you know to get people to follow their work you know um i mean how do you i mean you look you to me you're, you're somebody who's quite authentic and has a lot of integrity. So, I mean, um, so, I mean, how do you maintain the kind of your authenticity and integrity in what you do? Mm.
1: That's a good question. Well, I, I hope, I mean, on one level it's just, it is what it is, right? I mean, (laughs) like I could come out and (laughs) pretend to be something that I'm not, it's just so fleeting. Um, to try to please people in that way—it's just so fleeting, and it almost always catches up to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it kind of defeats the purpose. If I, if my goal as a Christian is to bring about redemption and reconciliation to the world, then what is the point of me pretending to be something else? You know, um, mm-hmm. of doing the opposite of that to create that. to that means you know it's kind of like you know it's kind of like the politician who just does whatever he just votes whatever way will get him elected the next time you know Mm -hmm. and you have to wonder like why did you even want that position if you were just gonna do just gonna blow whatever way the wind blows you know Mm -hmm. um and so you know as christians like if we're not authentic and it's like what's what's the point like what what gospel am I sharing that I'm not allowed to be myself? And is that a very good gospel? Um, mm. so I guess just, you know, keeping sight of that all the time.
0: And okay. So yeah, I mean, one, I mean, obviously I'm, <laughs> I've been podcasting for about four or five months now, but one, one challenge that I know that I've, that I've faced is, is when I'm asking people to guest on my show, um, when you, know, when you approach them, you don't want to... I, I, I really don't want to... I mean, I'm not a taker, and I don't want to come across as a taker. I don't want to be somebody who's just... Oh, just, I just want to use your name. I just want to... You know, I just want something from you. Um, and it's really difficult when you're asking people to come on to your show that not to come across that way, because... Um, And so, I mean, that's something I struggle with. I mean, you've had a lot of really great people on your show, some really major people, you know, Rob Bell and Derek Webb and Sarah Bessie, Philip Yancey, and loads of other people who are, like, really kind of big, kind of, I don't know to use the term, but big names, you know, um, in inverted commas, um, in kind of the Christian world. And um, obviously not easy to kind of get hold of as well. So, I mean, how do you manage kind of that that challenge to try and serve the people that you're you're hosting on your podcast and trying to be um and not not come across like you're trying to take anything from them because obviously we no, we're not we're not trying to take anything from them we're trying to you know have a healthy discussion with them and build relationship and in that kind of thing but how do you struggle with that kind of conflict and that challenge
1: yeah that's a good question you know there, so there are people who, like a lot of people that you just mentioned, who come on my podcast and they don't need it. They don't need, you know, like at NT Wright. NT Wright does not need to be on my podcast for people to buy his books. Like it may have, it may have sold a few more because he was on there. You know, mm. but um, it's not really going to be a blimp on his radar you know the sales difference because he was on seminary dropout <laughs>
0: yeah
1: um yeah. so there's a lot of people like that there's also a lot of people who have been on my show that virtually no one knew about beforehand mm-hmm. uh, they were they're just up and coming um you know and maybe they had their small little following but um the people, virtually, you know, 95% of the people who listen to my podcast had never heard of them before, and they discovered them there. And so, on that level, there's there's a give and take that I say, you know, these people have been, these, you know, N.T. Wright and Rob Bell and Sarah Bessie, they've been gracious enough to uh, lend their platform to me. You know, mm-hmm. um, their platforms being them, their presence on my show. And so... I hope I can turn around and say, um, you know, here's this person. They've got something valuable to offer. They're virtual unknown. I probably won't get very many more listeners from having them on my show. They will get a lot more readers of their books or whatever it is, their blog or whatever it is they do from my show. And so, you know, I, I hope there's kind of a like pass it on mentality where we there are some where we're just we're more takers, you know. Um, but there's some where we're more givers on that end. The other way, the other thing is that, um, you know, James, you said, you know, you've only been podcasting for like four months or so. Um, but yeah. there's definitely people who listen to your podcast who've never heard of me, who have never heard of seminary dropout and they're going to discover me because of it. And so even when you mm-hmm. don't think you're adding value, you are adding value. And so, um, you, you know, maybe it was more of a sacrifice for N.T. Wright to take time to come on my show than it was for me to interview him. Um, but but I still helped get his message out there to a few people who otherwise wouldn't have heard it or wouldn't have bought his books or something like that.
0: That's mm. that's really interesting answer. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 it's interesting you mentioned that you've had people on who people wouldn't have heard of because I've I've had the same. You know there's a lot of people that I can i mean I, I when i just when I started my podcast, it was more about I want to share people's stories who are interesting you know people who have interesting stories and wisdom to share, not just people who everyone knows about um, and I've had a, quite a few people that on who who you know who, who are like that you know they're not well known but they're really interesting and they've got interesting stories and a lot of wisdom you know and I want to get their get their message out to other people and that's why i've had them out or had them on the podcast um but then i've had people like sarah bessie and uh, steve chalk as well as coming on soon um and um you know who you know i'm kind of they're they're kind of more give, giving back to me rather than me really making that much difference to to what they do although i suppose it has well you say it has a little probably has a, it might, may have a little difference but um yeah so that's a really interesting answer um Thank you for that. That's, um, that's really encouraging actually. So, so what are you, so what kind of things are you up to like now? I mean, what's your, what kind of, um, interviews and stuff do you have coming up?
1: Um, well, you know, I've got, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, mostly not a ton of like huge names that everybody, um, knows. They've all got their circles. um, so, you know, in circles, they're well known. So like, um, yesterday, um, I interviewed, uh, Nijay Gupta, who is a, a professor at, uh, George Fox Evangelical Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, next week I'm going to interview uh, Natasha Sistruck Robinson, who's, she's been on my, uh, she's been on Seminary Dropout before. She's got a new, new book coming out. Um. So I'm trying to think um, of, like, maybe a little more ones that people would know. Sarah Groves, who's a recording artist, Um, I've already actually interviewed her, and that one will be coming out fairly soon. Um, So, you know, it's it's just a lot of, um, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing um, on the podcast. Uh, I did just have, in the month of December, I had a guest host. I essentially took the whole month off and had a guest host um grace sandra who was one of the very first people that i interviewed uh came and she took over hosting duties and she got to to pick who the guests were it was fantastic she did a great job had fantastic guests who i want to frankly have on again so i can talk to it too yeah Um, so you know hopefully i'll mix stuff up like that um you know unfortunately since this is not my full-time job i'm a lot of times just flying by the seat of my pants. Um, I, I, you know, sometimes I think like, man, it'd be cool if I had like a, like a theme month, you know, maybe where one month it's like all women who, and we're talking about women in ministry or something like that. Um, and do that kind of thing. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time to plan out that way. So it's kind of just whoever, um, you know, whoever I'm interested in the moment, if I can nail down an interview, um, you know, there's usually no rhyme or reason or organization to where the guests are. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, uh, you know, as far as the show goes, that's kind of just, uh, what the plan looks like for the near future.
0: Right. That's really great. So, okay. Um, what a kind of, okay. I'd, I'm interested. we talked about creativity and we talked about, um, kind of faith and spirituality and things like that. Um, what are kind of the two or three biggest lessons you've learned about faith and about um, about creativity you know from from your story from you know, from what from what you've been through
1: well, that's a good question faith and creativity <laughs> yeah well you know i so I've never been a stereotypical uh, um artistic person like I can't I can't draw I can't paint anything like that but all of us everybody has some kind of creativity Mm. and so you know I've really discovered since starting this podcast that this is kind of my art Um, I've always loved good interviews and people who do them well and so I've always kind of just really paid attention to that. Um, And there's really an art form to being a good interviewer. And, you know, when I, when I first started my first couple of interviews, I thought, man, this is harder than I thought. Like there's, it, it seems interviewing seems easy and then you do it and, you know, maybe you think you do a good job and you hear it back and you're like, Oh, that was weird. Like that was awkward. That was that weird thing I did or (laughs) said
0: yeah, something like
1: that. Um, And then just, I enjoy, to a certain extent, I enjoy the post-production, like putting in, you know, fading in music at a certain spot, making it sound good, making it sound like something that you would hear on NPR or, you know, a a podcast with somebody who's doing it full-time, you know. Um, And so being able to discover that, okay, you know, God did give me creativity And here's this outlet to use it, and there's something really, really spiritual about that as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And what would you kind of say to people like people who, people who are struggling with like calling, and you know, who kind of feel like they've got some kind of god's calling them to maybe some role in the in the church but they can't seem to kind of find a way in and because obviously you 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 started off as a pastor but um you you know you kind of found that ministry was something more than that so how what kind of word of encouragement would you give to those kind of people
1: well i think one thing i guess i would say is that to explore that in community um let those, you know, if you've got a small group or whatever kind of your inner circle of Christians, don't, don't keep that desire or that feeling of calling. Don't keep that a secret. Let them around you know it. And, and then I think you would be surprised what happens after that when you've got people who are walking that journey with you. And opportunities will rise to, you know, exercise those gifts and those abilities and letting your, letting your pastors know that, you know, gosh, I mean, there, there's so many times when I was a pastor where we really needed someone for a certain job. And I bet there were people in the church who had the gifting and had, were willing and felt the calling, but we probably didn't know, like we never let each other know that yeah. <laughs> desire and that. Um, that space that was available to exercise that. So don't be secret about it. And I think that um, a lot of people will be surprised at opportunities that arise to exercise those callings.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow, fantastic. So, um, and how has your view of the Bible changed over time? Because obviously, because I, I know that in my experience, my... My perspective on the Bible has completely changed. Um, I used to just kind of read it as one book, but actually now it's kind of, to me, it's more like, it's a collection of, you know, 66 books written at different times by different people in different contexts, and that's actually expanded my view of the Bible. So has your your, understanding and view of kind of scripture changed over time?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of us that were raised in evangelicalism, we were taught to read it as a, a flat document, you know? Um, and some people you'll hear some people use the term and advocate for the term, um, uh, plain reading, plain reading of the scripture. Hmm. Um, you know, to mean like, well, it means what it says. And, and to a certain degree, I would agree with that, but um, you know, like the Bible says, to greet your brother with a brother or sister with a with a kiss. Um, I don't know any sect of Christianity that still does that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So we have we have decided <laughs> that a plain reading of that scripture does not work out very well in in modern society. And so, you know, putting things in context that you know I don't it doesn't make me a liberal that I don't, uh, you know, walk up and kiss every Christian that I know. Uh, I think it's, it's pretty basic. So applying that principle to the rest of the Bible, you know, putting it in context, um, and, you know, paying attention to the different genres of literature that you referred to, you know, that's not, it's not all the same. There's poetry in there. Mm. Uh, uh, you know there's different it's different kinds of literature, um, so yeah, knowing those subtleties and putting putting Jesus first and i don 't think i don't think Jesus is in a battle against the other scriptures by any means, but um you know hebrews one three that's become really important to me in the last several years, but you know basically says God. God revealed himself partially through people in the past, through prophets, um, but he's revealed in, you know, most recently he's revealed himself fully in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, if we want to know, Brian Zahn says it, if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. God looks like Jesus. Um, and so, you know, we've really marginalized the life of Jesus, a lot of the church. And, that may sound weird, but, um, you know, look at some of our creeds, you know, Jesus born of a virgin,
0: uh, mm.
1: lived a sinless life and died on the cross and really rose from the dead. And like, well, you really glazed over his entire <laughs> existence on earth. There,
0: Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah um, definitely.
1: I think that's pretty important. And he said so many radical things. Um, you know, what yeah. Shane Claiborne says that, what if Jesus really meant the things he said? Um, yeah. That's that's become huge for the way I read my Bible.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I mean, one one example I always like you like kind of bring out is yeah, I think it says in the Old Testament somewhere. I can't remember where, but that if you if your brother's wife, your brother's husband, sorry, if your brother dies, then you have to marry his wife. I think that's there's something in the Bible about that somewhere, and nobody does that now. You know, and it makes right. it makes me laugh when people talk about the biblical view of marriage because there's so many different, like, you know, c- views of marriage. In, in the Bible, like, David had, like, six wives and Solomon had, like, hundreds and um, and they used to, you know, people used to have multiple wives. It, you know, it's, a, it, it's no kind of, like, it, it, I think we over-romanticize it and kind of westernize it a little bit into this kind of, like, Adam and Eve was like, and Adam and Eve weren't actually married in the sense that, yeah, we were married and in fact marriage in the UK, marriage people are going only get married in church I think for they've only been able to get married in church for about five hundred years, you know. Yeah. And yeah. even like up to 100 and, 150 years ago, marriage was more of a kind of business thing. It was that's more right. it was more like taking care of the woman, providing security for the woman so she could have children and provide the next generation and that's what it was. You know, this kind of romantic ideal of marriage that we've got now and even Christians have got now is kind of a lot a lot more recent than people like to think
1: yeah, that's right it's not um so many times it's just not very honest is the the term I like to use. It's not very honest, it doesn't play by its own rules very often, so that's a good you know if you're picking a hermeneutic for which to read the Bible, uh, pick one that plays by its own rules that's a good that's <laughs> my advice there. <laughs>
0: that's, that's very very true yeah definitely, oh, wow. Well. Uh, well, I think we could talk for ages. Um, it's been so good having you on air, Shane. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll have you back at some point as well. it would be really, really great. To talk more about all of this kind of thing. Um, I would love to. Um, so, yeah, just just uh, before we go, one kind of final. Have you got like kind of one final word word of encouragement for people who might be listening? You know, um, creative people or Christians or whatever who might be listening.
1: Oh gosh. Um, well, you know, whatever you do, you know we think that um, finding who we are in Christ and, and even things having to do with creativity, it means like discovering this new talent or skill we had, and, and maybe that's a case for some people. But you know, there's some there's people listening who are just brilliant painters they're visual artists they're they're, um, they can dance or they can sing or they whatever it is even not you know even it's like it's like coding you know even like computer skills like Hmm. do that thing for the glory of God do that thing um, express that creativity that God gave you for the glory of God Um, and that's you know for some that's more, there's a direct correlation. You know, if you are an artist where well, you can make beautiful, um, art that points people to Christ and, you know, but the people who do computer coding are like, how do I, what, how do I do that? And, you know, maybe it's that there's a, there's a nonprofit that needs some, some, uh, you know, a website built or something like that, or a program made an app built or something like that. Like it's always, there's always something the skill you have can be used somehow for the glory of God. And so, um, so it may not be about finding this new skill; it may be about utilizing those skills you already know you have for for God's purposes in the world for reconciliation.
0: That's awesome. That's such a great way to to finish. Thank you so much, Shane. That's been really, really great. Um, yeah, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, James. I love what you're doing here, and um, you had, you had great questions. So thanks for um, thanks for asking me to be on. It's an honor.
0: Well, thank you very much. That's really, really encouraging. Okay. Um, all right, everyone. That's, that's, that's it for this week. Um, and um, take care, and we'll talk soon.